As promised, the True Stories Based on Fiction Podcast Network is back at it again, giving you content during these trying times. And when I say content, I mean some A1 content this week as we start the first edition of what I'm calling the Lockdown Interview Sessions, where I, Evan, the third host, am joined and I interview a litany and a who's who in the comic book industry. First up, we have a person who has never been on the show before, and I hope he'll come back again. And that person is Rax Morales. You know him from his work on Hawkman, Turok, as I forgot on the interview mid-sentence. Um, of course, Identity Crisis, New 52 Superman, and much, much more. And we cover everything in his career, all of the highlights, the lowlights, everything. And I'm Rax was a very good guest, and I love his sardonic wit. And hopefully he comes on the show again. He, this is probably one of our best interviews ever. Up to that point... After the jump, we're going to cut right into him, kind of dress me down a little bit with that uh, aforementioned sardonic wit. But until then, enjoy the following episode. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. You've got exactly ten minutes to decide if you really want to know. You have filled this city. Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've done today. based on fiction. So I figured we could start with this. Uh, was your last interior work Bloodshot for Valiant? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, you know, I caught that and uh, um, that was uh, that was last, last year. Um, yeah, they gave me a deadline I thought I could make uh, but when I got there, there, there was just so many damn questions that I didn't have answered. I had to do a lot of background work, uh, stuff, uh, stuff that you don't that you don't see on the pages. And um, unfortunately, I, I wish I'd, uh, yeah, I would have, I would have, um, I would have uh, um, needless to say, it's, I don't want to get into it. I, you know, it's it's kind of like privileged information, but. Fair enough. Uh, I, I, you know, I was just trying to uh, um, get reacquainted, and, and I failed miserably, unfortunately, because it wanted me for three issues, and we got like an issue and a half out of it. Mm, okay. Uh, from what I did see, uh, that issue was definitely solid work, though. Well, thank you. Well, yeah, you know, I, I um, yeah, I, I take pride in in, in, uh, in working hard in everything I do. You know. Um, I can't say everything I do was great, you know, without question. I've had, uh, I've had some maddeningly, um, you know, kind of, uh, inconsistent work, you know, in my opinion, other people might not see it, but, you know, for me, I thought, uh, um, you know, when you look, when you look, it, but it's, I guess that's with everything, and, uh, you kind of look back at things with, uh, um, with reminiscent eyes, I guess. As you know, in the retrospect, you look back and it's like, you know, I should have, I should have zigged and I didn't zag. Right. You know, I had the right ha ha, but the wrong ho ho. <laughs> it just, you know, it, 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 none of it, none of it ever really comes to fruition. I guess that's why, because, you know, we could always look back and say, eh, you know, um, you know, at least I do. 
a lot. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, but I don't know. I, I really enjoy storytelling. You know, I'd always consider myself an illustrator at heart. Mm-hmm. Um, probably because that's what really, you know, got my juices going as a young artist trying to develop. Um, I was more, I mean, are we recording now? Or am I just bullshitting? Uh, we can be recording. Yeah, like the, uh, my first question was about Bloodshot. Yeah, so. Oh, what about the fuck fucking hit the play, man? Hit, <laughs> just fucking press play. I did yeah. say. Yeah, I'm <laughs> giving you stories and shit. No, no. This whole thing is being recorded, but uh, when I asked the Bloodshot question, that began the official conversation. But yeah, everything's being recorded. Yeah, no, <laughs> just, just press, you know what? This is the podcast, right? Yes. Fuck, did you do the intro? I typically do that on the back end. Okay. Well, you wait to the end and they say, oh, this has been a blah, blah, blah presentation. Yep, that and and then sometimes what I'll do is I'll uh, record that separately and then put that on the on the front end like a code open type thing. Then we have a theme song to come right into the oh. Oh, there's a theme song. Yeah. And oh, cool. What's and, the theme, what's the same theme song? Uh, it has a, a bunch of a uh, movie quotes from like comic book characters and shit, and then it has like a a tune that my other producer actually made. Oh. Cool. So you got a musician producer. Well, um, uh, uh, online producer, like, like on an iPad, you can do it all. <laughs> you don't have any actual time. Uh, I do, do. I'm fucking. I'm fifty fucking. You might as you might as well be fucking eat pop work and ah ah to me right now because <laughs> <laughs> all that shit is just over my head. But, you know, like I'm lucky I can point and click. <laughs> hey, no okay, worries. So, yeah, but, yeah. Yeah, this interview has already already started. So where was I? Uh, we were talking about oh. your time on Bloodshot. I apologize, Rex. Uh, okay. And that was going to segue to me asking you if you saw what might be my last movie in theaters in a long time, the Bloodshot movie. No, no, no. You, you know, it's in this industry... Um, and it, it, it's a variable. I mean, some, some, some days are just like, you know, yeah, you know, um, I'm so close to, to it all. You know, they all kind of like run together for me. You know, um, I got, you know, I, I'm going to be brutally honest. I'm, 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 the whole genre is repetitive to me. <laughs> um, it, it's, it's, it's always, you know, some dude, somebody dies in a family. Usually a wife mm. or kids, you know, and you know that inspires them to go ahead and, and, and be heroic. That that's just that's a trope that is just going on forever and ever and ever and ever, and it's being down to the point where it's just like, well, what else can you do with that, you know? And this, I'm now, I'm 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 making a lot of people like fucking pissed off right now. Right now they're throwing their, <laughs> their computer off the table and <laughs> no understand this I'm not not being I'm trying not to be disrespectful I'm really because I mean, look yeah I've been a comic book artist for 31 years right so I spent a majority of my life doing this kind of thing um, but then again I've also done many storylines uh, and and 
the origin story is is it really has been beaten to death, and I don't think I don't think there's uh, um, anything more that that needs to be done with it anymore in that regard, you know. Um, but then again, that's that's you know that's the meat and potatoes of what an origin story is in comic books. So I I really can't tell them how to do it better. I could only tell them that you know as many different ways as you do it, it's still the same basic you know. It's right. still the same basic Foxtrot, you know? Um, and having not seen the movie, and I'm not disparaging the movie, uh, or Vin Diesel, or, you know, anything going on, I haven't seen the movie, so I can't, but I, I, I certainly, you know, it's, it's, it's always just like, okay, okay, death and revenge, and then look, and look what this new power can do, you know? And that's really the only difference, is the neat power. <laughs> um, yeah, and, 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 and that's, and that's really about it. So, I mean, good luck. I hope it, I hope it goes fucking gangbusters and maybe they can do a Ninjack and, you right. know, an XO and, and, um, you know, and, and, and really just do some really cool shit, you know, because the Valley Universe is really cool. It know? is. And, it and is. especially, especially back in the day when I, when I joined in during their infancy, you know, well, it wasn't really their infancy, more like their toddlerhood, you know, they were, they, they were the terrible twos when I got there. <laughs> you know, because their infancy was Voyager. By the time I got there, they'd just become Valiant, and, you know, and Jim Shooter was still there, and mm-hmm. Bob Lehman, and, and uh, Steve Masarski was still there, and Fred Pierce, and, you know, Don, you know, uh, Don Perlman was still doing, doing Bloodshot back then, you know, and, and you know, and, and, and um, you know, Joe Casada still had the, the Pompidou, you know, <laughs> and, and it was a, it was a very different time, you know, and I was just evolving as an artist. You know, I'd been around for a couple of years, but uh, the only people who really knew me were industry people because the shit I was doing before that, no one was really paying that much attention to. So. Yeah, because during that, I will call it the OG run. You did an issue of Bloodshot then as well, and I think you also did Archer and Armstrong. And why? No, 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 oh. boy, you way off. <laughs> How old are you? I'm 33. <laughs> 33? Yeah. Um, fuck you, about four. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. No, no, we're talking. Torah. Torah was my Yes. I yes. did 15 issues. Um, and I did a smattering of bloodshot. Uh, mostly little bits and pieces here and there, some fill-in work. Um, Archer and Armstrong was the first thing I did evaluating. Um, the very first thing, the first assignment they gave me, which was fun. And the best part about that was working with John Dixon. He was a, the inker. Mm-hmm. And, and he had like a very gray morrow kind of, no, I mean, yeah, fuck you know, fuck, fuck from Gray Morrow. This shit don't mean shit to you, but to me, it means a lot. I know who Gray Morrow. Uh, Gray, <laughs> Gray Morrow, well, good for you for not for study. <laughs> <laughs> and I was two thirds right. I want to say, time, yeah, I mean, unlike Morrow, I, mean, I was, I was born in '66 when Gray Morrow was doing that shit. So I was like, you know, like, like you were to me, <laughs> I was to him. <laughs> right. Okay, so I was born in '66. So, so Gray Morrow. Um, he, he was, as far as I know, as far as I know, um, the first artist that they 
published realistic paintings of the, the heroes. Um, and remember he did a Hawkman, he did a Rawhide Kid, and some other stuff. And it was all, it was just a character on a white background. Mm-hmm. But I remember being advertised as realistic, and that, that just kind of floored me. Um, and at the time, I was too young to have been acquainted or even knew that Frank Frazetta was around doing, you know, crazy shit. Yeah. And I wasn't around for the, for the, uh, and I, and I was not aware of the early Turok covers that were being done or the painted stuff they were doing as Superman, uh, back in the day, you know, cause they did have some, some artwork, uh, of, uh, of some really, so that, that was the first time I recall that we're talking in the seventies, mm-hmm. uh, um, some artwork that was done in, the, in probably the late sixties and that I saw and it was like, you know, one of those, because you, you know, when I was a kid, I used to have all kinds of ads in the back of the comic books, and they were selling all kinds of shit. You, know, you can take your mother's vacuum cleaner and turn it into a fucking hovercraft, and <laughs> X-ray goggles and shit. And you can look at girls, you know. <laughs> it was really just <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> you know, if you're gonna get these goggles, you're gonna look through the skirt, you're gonna see bombs and freak you out. You, know? <laughs> you didn't know what the hell. But it's a lot of crazy shit. But in the back, they had these wonderful wonderful paintings and they were really tiny like postage stamp size you know so you really didn't get to see much but you saw enough that it was it was um you know it was impressive and and so yeah grandmother oh that's that's he got on my radar and then over the years as i started you know looking at you know old school comic book work um, then I saw his work as an inker. So John Dixon had a very gray morrow kind of a line, which I fully was flabbergasted by. And as a young artist, I was making mistakes here and there, you know, a couple of mistakes in anatomy. And he, and he nicely fixed it for me, nice. you know. Um, and, um, and it wasn't like, you know, it, was, it wasn't like he was fucking overhauling an engine, you know, it was a little tweak here and there. Um, and, and I really, really appreciated uh, working with him. And, and I told him so, you know. Really excited about working with him, but um, he thought I was weird. Yeah, I am. I'm pretty weird when I get when I get happy and gregarious. I get kind of goofy. So. <laughs> um. So, how was your experience working with uh, Jim Shooter? If you even interacted with him a lot? I honestly, when I was coming in, Jim was on the way out. Mm. Um. We have the same agent now, and right now we hang out at bars and get drunk, <laughs> but. Back then, I remember coming into the Valiant offices, and you know, this is just as I was, you know, coming in and, and, and handing in first pages and things like that. And I and, and I walked into an elevator. Now, I, I don't. If anybody knows anything about Jim Shooter, the dude is like twelve feet tall, and he's um, seriously. You can hang. Um, a basketball revolver, <laughs> and he he. I walked into the elevator to go up to the offices in New York at the time, and I used to walk with my head down a lot, you know. Um, I don't do that anymore, but back then I was in my twenties, you know. Mm-hmm. I walked around with my head down. Uh, you know, you glance up, you see where you're going, then walk with your head looking down. And and so when I walked into the elevator, all I looked at were a pair of Italian shoes, and they were just this gorgeous pair of Italian shoes. They also had to be the biggest fucking feet I've ever seen. And I follow the legs up and I look up 
and there's Jim, and he's not looking at me. He's kind of looking down, like I was looking down. But I looked at him, I was like, and I said to myself, oh, shit. Oh, shit, that's Jim Shooter. I should introduce myself, but I was kind of intimidated. Because I guess, you know, he's, you know, he's basically touching the ceiling of the fucking elevator with his right. head. So I was just like, this dude is huge. This dude is, is, is a, literally a giant in the industry. And <laughs> I, um, I, I just, I, would, I don't know. I just kind of, um, I didn't say anything, you know? And, um, Actually, at the time, I didn't even know he was with Valiant, you know? I mean, Valiant, to me, was such an unknown. Right. Um, you know, I know Bob, no Bob Layton was interested in, in, in hiring me away from D.C., and and as soon as I was done with my run on, on, on Black Honda, I kind of jetted over there. Um, but, um, so Bob was my first, you know, person I met. The second person I met was, um, was Barry Windsor Smith. Like, nice guy, you know, uh, British, obviously, with the British accent, offered me a cup of coffee, which was awfully nice of him. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I was just, again, you know, Bob Layton, Jim Shooter, you know, Barry Windsor Smith, oh my God, I should not be in, in this room. <laughs> so, of course, I turned down the coffee because I was that intimidated to get a cup of coffee. <laughs> Barry Windsor Smith. Um, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, um, I don't even know what the phone was the question. Uh, the question was, what was it like and it, what was it like with your interaction with Jim Shooter? Anyway, and sure, right, so I didn't work with Jim Shooter. I remember one time, I remember one time, uh, Jim wanted like a certain layout of Jim's got, Jim, Jim has a very specific way. Yes. Of seeing comic books. He sees them cinematically. And he sees them as if you were sitting in the, in the middle of a theater and it was the screen mm-hmm. and that was it. He doesn't like tilted panels because that doesn't happen in, in, in movies. Well, Jim, it does. <laughs> it certainly happens in Sam Raimi movies. <laughs> it happened in the outlaw Josie Wales when he's, when he's, um, you know, getting beat up after going in the beginning of the movie when he's chasing down a bunch of guys burning down his house, the red legs that were burning down his house and his wife is being accosted and his kids being killed and they're running around burning his house down and the, t- the camera angle was tilting. So, yes, it does happen, Jim. I'm sorry, but it does. Um, but you said it, not me. He doesn't want it to. And he had a, and, and, and he, and he didn't want it to. Um, and at the time, he made he had like a like a decree that he had to have certain things. And it was my it was it was actually an opportunity to work with him, and you know, and they said to me, he says, well, you know, likes Jack Kirby panels, and 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 to me, I was all fine with Jack Kirby layouts, but I was also also at the time into Victor De La Fuente, who Spanish artist, and he used to do this these these wonderful stacks where he would have like. Like, so you cut the page in half, right? And you have an upper tier and a lower tier. And then you would have the first panel on the upper tier be a vertical panel from the top to the middle, okay? And then you would have panel, panel two and three stacked to the right. And I used to love that layout. And that's not typically a um, Jack Kirby layout. Kirby is specific, specifically three tiers, and you divide those tiers to however many panels you need. If it's five panels, you figure one of them is going to be a long panoramic and the other two are going to be, you know. Um, so when he said, 
that it's going to be Kirby-esque uh, work, in my mind, I was like, no, I'm not doing that because, you know, what I'm doing is perfectly readable. It's perfectly legitimate. And to me, that kind of restricted. And right off the bat, he's like, what well, I forget about. Really? Uh, well, that's, you know, you know, Jim is, like I said, Jim has a very specific vision. And either you mold yourself into that vision or, you know. And I was too young. To be honest with you, at the time, you know, I started my career in 89. So we're talking about like, I've only been around so far for me to, to say, you know, no, it's my way or the highway. I just didn't think that my uh, objection was so objectionable. Right. You know, and for him, and this is something that we never even, we never saw face to face. It was kind of like, you know, I forgot who it was. It was the go between. Um, so, you know, Jim said it to this guy. This guy said it to me. I said it back to that guy. He <laughs> went back to Jim and he said no. <laughs> so it was like a good that. old game of telephone, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. And, and, and so, you know, and, and I was just like, I shrugged. This is what was, you know, I got a contract. I got work, you know, whatever. Jim doesn't want to work. That's fine. You know, I'll just make do with what I have. Um, I don't know if it was arrogant. It was just more of accepting of the fact that, you know, it was objectionable to him. So I was like, okay, well, uh, then I guess maybe I'm not, I'm not for Jim and maybe Jim is not for me, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of, kind of thing. And, and, um, not, it, it wasn't certainly wasn't arrogance. It was just, again, it was just like, you know, I, I think I have a grasp of what I want to do. Um, certainly they find, me valuable outside and around Jim and what he wanted to do. So, uh, and, and again, at the time, I don't even think he was even that much a part of the brain trust. Right. Um, cause this was again toward the end when he was on the way out. So by then he might have just been editing or whatever. I, I don't even know what his title was to be honest. Um, but, um, so anyway, that's, uh, you know, that, that was my experience with Jim. And, and, you know, years later, we, we, you know, like I said, we have the same agent now. Uh, we do shows together occasionally, and when we do, we usually end up at the bar and, you know, just sit there. And, and, and me, Jim, and maybe Larry Hamill would be there, and just sitting back and just listening to the stories go back and forth. It's it's, it's really it's, it's a wonderful time. I really, I, I've really over the over the the years now that I've gotten to really know Jim, I've really gotten to really appreciate him as as a man, as a, as, a, as a creative, as a man. And, and, but, uh, you know, working with him, it's, um, it's, uh, it's, it's a, a very, uh, um, it's a very, um, yeah, I know difficult so much of it is that you really have to be invested in right. working with Jim. And, and, uh, it's, it's not an easy thing to do. You know, a lot of us, um, um, admire and, and love him, but, uh, you know, it's it's there's very little wiggle room, right? Know, with uh, with Jim, and uh, I I respect the fact that like he's definitely is very his feet are grounded in in his principles and his convictions, and I respect that about him for what I've seen yeah. and heard about him. But at the same time, and, and you know what, and he's not wrong, you know, because the stuff he's done that's gone out there is it's absolutely brilliant, mm -hmm. you know. Um, it's just it's just uh, you know sometimes. You know, sometimes it's just like, you know, and you're like, yeah, but uh, okay. <laughs> you know, it's like that, you know, um, 
So yeah, it's, uh, uh, and I think sometimes, you know, it's, it's, it's communicative as well. You know, sometimes you think, you know, what a person is saying, uh, or you, you think you understand where they're coming from and you go ahead and do it. And then it's all wrong. And it's like, okay, where did I go wrong? And then you go back and you do it again. And then sometimes you do it two or three times and it's just like, oh, okay. So it's, um, it, it can be very tiny. It's a, it, it's an awful lot of, of, um, and, and to be fair, as an artist in this industry, oftentimes you run into editorial that is just like, okay, here's the script, just do a good story and get it out on time. And because they have dozens of titles to do, you're given more freedom. And it's not often you run into a situation where the creative that you're working for, working with is, is very, uh, stick to it to his vision. And um, so you're used to working in a way where you're contributing more of something that comes specifically from you, mm-hmm. and then you're running it to somebody else who's got, who's, who's, who's basically saying, you know, I have ownership of this character, I have ownership of the script, I have ownership, I have all this invested in it, I know exactly what I, what I want, um, but I just don't know exactly how to really express it. So sometimes it's that. So it's really, it's, it, you know, again, to be fair, it's not that Jim is uh, an ogre, but, <laughs> and I certainly don't hope that people hearing this don't, don't, he's not, he's not an ogre, he's a brilliant, brilliant man. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, he's, he's like, um, he's, he's like, you know, he's the adage, the old adage, you know, people don't know you genius until you're dead, kind of a thing, you right. know. And, and he really is, he's, he's just a savant, brilliant kind of art, uh, uh, uh artist to work with. And I do consider writing an art form, so yeah, um, yeah. He's uh, and, he, and he can draw really fairly well. Really? In fact, in fact, uh, we were talking, and he was telling me that um, that he would give uh, he he would work with Neil Adams, who said, uh, um, you know, I guess maybe Neil, but you know, Neil, I think is probably an artist that would just like know exactly where Jim was coming from because Jim would just give him a layout or an idea. And Neil would just say, okay, I know exactly what you want and just fucking nail it. Um, so I don't know, maybe it's me. I mean, I'm just not that good. I mean, <laughs> you know, you are the but, first uh, person who, who said that about him. So I don't think it's you. Okay. <laughs> All right. Cool. All right. Good. Then I'm part of the course. <laughs> exactly. Because the thing is, though, everything, everything said about him is correct and he is correcting his views as well. But where uh, I think a good editor grader is, it's a collaboration. And so it can't all be. All just take without giving some. So if he has to trust his artists to do what they want to do, if they can effectively break the panel border, let them do it. Well, yeah, you know, but then, but then again, there's also the challenge of not doing it too, because it does take a certain amount of brilliance to be able to do that without having to do that. You know, what I mean? to be able to uh, convey exactly what they're trying to do. Uh, without having to break, break a panel board. But, you know, you're right. You know, and, and, it, and again, you know, much like, you know, comic book storylines or tropes that have been done over and over again, so it's breaking panels. So it's not exactly good point. You know, I mean, I, I try to do it intelligently. You know, I, I try to do it, you know, when, you know, I, I reserve it. You know, back in the, back in the 90s when, when Image was coming out, they were just going, you know, fucking balls out bonkers about just fucking doing pinups of this and pinups that and the story secondary and the art is everything. You know, the more shit you throw in there, the brilliant, the more brilliant it is. No, no, not really. <laughs> you know, because it gets to the point, it gets to the point where 
uh, it gets to the point where even the guy who does pornography gets tired of fucking. <laughs> so you know, it's you, you, you got to get you got to get to the, you know you got to get to the point where it's just like you know what, there's nothing special about it anymore when all you're doing is that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and there's and and there's an art to building things up and then exploding them. You know. So you, you get the, 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 like for instance, the, you know, I think of, 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 of Watchmen, right? And, and, and I don't know if it was Alan Moore or if it was Dave Gibbons, but, um, you would have these, these stat panels in this very simplified way of being, you know, this brilliant, brilliant story. And you were lulled into a sense of, secu- of, 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 of security where you have like, like, you know, like a six panel page and they were constantly the same way. You know, like, like, like maybe something Keith Giffen would do, you know, it's all just the same size panel. And again, the Kirby thing. And he had six panels, one, two, next, next year, three, four, next year, five, six. You turn the page, six panels, mm-hmm. once. And you do that for like three pages. And then all of a sudden you turn the page and it's a giant blow up of, you know, Dr. Manhattan standing, you know, you know, either the first time you see him is like huge because it's all of a sudden it's a splash page and then it kind of punches you in the face. That's what I'm talking about. Is that kind of build up? It's not just about what happens in the panels. It's what happens throughout the entire book itself. Sometimes the first four pages is designed to make panel, page five be that much more dramatic. You know, and you have to be aware of that. It's, it's, it's an overall thing. It's not just. A myopic one thing after another. I mean, because when you read as a, as a fan, you don't see it because you're reading it myopically. One panel, two mm-hmm. panels, three panels, four panels, and you don't know why that hits you so. Why the impact is so bad? Well, the impact is so big is because we led you that way. We we slowly blew up the balloon until it popped, and and that's an art form too. And that's part of sequential drawing and sequential storytelling. So, yeah. uh, um, so yeah, there's, there's there's brilliance in layout, you know, as well. Well, so, um, so when I do the kind of thing that is just like splashy, breaking a panel or whatever, or tilting a panel, whatever the fuck it is, I try to do it so that it's at its most opportune point that, that really throws, that really makes it significant to the story and significant to the reader and try to, to jolt the reader, you know. Um, and it's not easy to do, you know, it's not because we, we also read the story myopically, but also, reading it panel by panel, page by page, and sometimes we don't pull back enough. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of times it's because it's not a lot of time for that because, you know, uh, um, because uh, 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 you have a deadline and, you know, you, you're trying to meet that and you have bills and you're trying to get them paid. Mm-hmm. So it's basically, you know, I'm going to get this done, get this done, get this done, and you forget to do the brilliance of it all, unless you have a writer, and maybe that's where, that's where Jim comes in. Or Brad Meltzer, like Identity Crisis, mm-hmm. right? Brad Meltzer had a specific vision, and he told me what he wanted and how he wanted it laid out. And, you know, initially, you're like, no, fuck you. Yeah, fucking freedom. You know, you can understand. I mean, you know, we're supposed to play in this, you know, sandbox together. You know, fuck you, kick rocks. You know, mm-hmm. but no, they go ahead, and certain people will come in and just, like, fucking, and then you do it that way. And like, oh, you know, there it is. Now I understand. Okay, I'm going to shut up, and I'm going to do what you want me to do because now I see what you're trying to do. Now it makes sense to me. Um, but it's not always that. And occasionally, you know, even like with Brad because he's, you know, on a handful of occasions I, I suggest a thing and he says, I don't know, and you take a look at it first before you do it and then I'll show it to him. Okay, you know, cool. kind of, 
Yeah, like that's a perfect example um, of what Jim wasn't you, you into know, that he probably could have been into that could have helped the his projects be right. like a little bit better. Right. You know, again, you know, it was Jim Shooter 2.0. <laughs> you know, because it was, it, you know, it, it was it was specific to the vision of the writer, um, and he and he saw it specifically as like a, like a, you know a CSI episode. Yeah, he he thought of Identity Crisis like it was CSI. Um, so he was directing it in his head, and and you know. It's, and I used to teach story adaptation, and one of my one of my tenants was that you have to declare yourself artistically with a writer um, because your job is to be the director. Their job is to be the screenwriter, and not every writer can understand that or wants to understand that. I remember working on one project where I was working with somebody who was uh, um, who did stories for animation, and they, um, they had this uh, uh, attitude of speaking to me as if they were speaking to the art director of an animated feature whose job was then to go ahead and, you know, oh, rattle the cages of the art department, you know, mm-hmm. uh, until I reminded this person that, no, 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 you don't understand. First of all, I don't like your condescending tone. <laughs> Secondly, we're partners. I'm the director, you're the screenwriter, okay? You can tell me what to draw, you don't, you don't tell me how to draw it. And, and occasionally, because you've run to people that have different backgrounds, you know, and it's not necessarily their fault for feeling that way. You know, but they're used to certain things, and they come in big dick swinging, <laughs> and you know, you know, and then it's, then it becomes a dick measuring contest. And sometimes you've got to say, you know, no. <laughs> yeah, I've been in this business for a couple of decades now. I think I have an idea where I want to take your your story, okay? And if I have an issue, we'll talk about it. And if you see something you don't like, we'll talk about it, okay? But you know. You're not going to walk in here and just try to smack me in the side of the head, like, you know, uh, you know, like, uh, 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 you know, like, like, uh, like that old matter. You know, right. it's, it's not your vision; it's ours. Um, that's the way comic books work. Exactly. And oftentimes, and, you know, and that's oftentimes, you get novelists that don't understand that, or you get screenwriters, screenplay writers that don't understand that. You get, um, you get. Uh, um, you know, just people from the animation, you know, whatever form of writing they've ever done before, they're not used to having to, they're used to being autonomous and, and, you know, omnipotent with their story and, you know, they're the guys and they say those and they, you know, not necessarily, you know, I don't like that camera angle. This works better because it works better with the conjunction of this panel. This leads into that, that leads into that. And I've already done the floor plan of this building. So please let me just fucking leave the camera <laughs> because where you're taking it doesn't exist, <laughs> you know. <laughs> In the way that you describe, because you can describe a scene. Don't do this too. Don't, don't describe a scene. Describe the entire sequence, forgetting the little nuances. Uh, there was an editor, I forgot who it was, who told me that the, that the two people that know more about the story than the writer are the penciler and the colorist. Because they're the ones who have to keep the consistency. You know, and the acres is just following what's already down there, right? Mm-hmm. But the writer will write, Write something, forget all of what they talk about, and then by the time you revisit a scene, it's completely backwards, you know, because they forget about it, about it, and they forget that we've already established this, and I established this as this, so therefore it's got to be continuous. It can't be, you know, you don't want to lose the reader because when you lose, when they get the reader, they stop and start waiting, start saying, wait a minute, and start going back, 
you've you've lost the reader. That's very you true. Know, yeah, they're they're complete, they're out of the story, and you know, and that's a disruption to them. You know, you, you've broken the rhythm, and, and then going back is a painful experience, and then coming back to where they let off left off is a painful experience. And sometimes you say, you know, fuck this. Let me go. Let me go into my pile. Let me go into my Wednesday pile. Okay, let me, <laughs> let me see what see what amazing Spider-Man is. You know, and, and shit like that. So. That's a, you know, it's, it's a very delicate thing and it's, it's, you have to be very, uh, conscious of that the aspect of it. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I appreciate you waxing poetic about the comic book artistry game because yeah, that, that's very insightful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, hey, that's, that's what we did. You know, <laughs> yeah. You, you can you can talk you can talk to to you know LeBron James and you can talk about oh this chase down and this fucking three pointer and that pass and you know, and you know, no no he'd rather tell you about the setup the play before that the play before mm-hmm. who's hot who's not who's you know who's moving in you know what part of the you know can we get this guy off balance on defense you know he's talking about all this crazy shit so yeah, yeah hmm. um so kind of shifting gears for a bit like. I tend to bounce back and forth between like the insides of like the artist's, uh, I'll say mindset and then like the business aspect of comics. Um, so what okay. are your memories of Dan and Dio and what do you think about his exit from DC Comics? You know, I'm so far away from it. I really have no clue. Um, I, I do know that uh, nothing is absolute. Uh, I haven't had any, uh, um, consistent work with DC since Time Warner took over and Diane Nelson. Wow. Um, yeah. So by the time AT and T came around, fuck, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I don't know the circumstances. I don't know why he was let go, but I do know this uh, out of experience that as soon as a a corporation takes over, the very first thing they do is cost cut. Right. Um, because you can never make enough money when it comes to those motherfuckers. <laughs> um. And like I said, I've been in this business for 31 years. So at the time, you know, we're talking about what, about eight years ago. You know, so right. I was already in this business for over 20 years. And and um, and when when Diane when Diane Nelson took over from the name of Time Warner, they started looking around at a bunch of dead wood, and they said, "Well, he's expensive, you know, and and he's he's kind of like nothing new here by him." You know, the, you know, the readership doesn't get excited about him anymore because his style has already been done. You know, mm-hmm. he's been doing it for us, but you know, DC for 19 years. And while I have a following, and while I have people that appreciate the things I do, um, it wasn't, um, it was nothing. Was, the pizzazz had gone. The 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 the, uh, the bloom was knocked off that rose. You know, so that um, you know, that's when they said, well, you know. Cost cutting, we're going to cut your pay grade. We'd love to work with you, mm-hmm. but you know, we're not going to renew your contract. You know, so there I was, you know, you know, with less money and then no contract. It says, all right, well, then I guess I'll go to go, you know, rattle Marvel's cage. And that's when I started doing a little bit of work for Marvel. Work for Marvel. I did a bunch of covers, a few issues with John Hickman on New Avengers. Um, you know, but, uh, there was no needle moving for them as well. So I was just like, okay, well, that's it. Mm-hmm. So I um, started looking at my career and says, well, I guess I'm at that point of the career where I really, because you never, it's like growing up, you know, 
You're 33, you said, right? Yes. So, um, so, but in your head, you're always 19. So we're as, so yeah, and everybody's like that. I can tell you for a fact that's the way it is. My father's fucking 75. He still thinks he's 19. Well, maybe 21 because then I can. And, and so, no, no, he thinks he's 19. So <laughs> he's, you know, yeah, he still thinks the temptations are great. <laughs> um, and they are. They're just not new. Right. Again, you know, blooms and roses, right? Mm-hmm. So. You know, that, that balloon has been knocked off that rose as well, you know, but in your head, you're never there. So you never really see it coming. So, you know, here I am still a viable artist. I still think I'm, I'm improving. I still think I'm doing better work, especially since I started inking my own work. And, um, and so, uh, um, there's plenty of, of uh, gas in the tank, you know, it's just that, uh, you know, the, uh, the opportunity to be fresh and interestingly, interesting enough to the industry. He was just like, yeah, you know, I've been there, done that kind of a feeling. I guess it's understandable, you know. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, sometimes you just look at your wife and like, oh, <laughs> you know, certainly they're looking at you and going, oh, you know. So and that's just the way it is in a long relationship, you know. Sometimes you just need something. Uh, you know, I guess we're all selfish that way, you know. And the companies are no different; they're, they're selfish that way too. And they need to reinvigorate, and they're going to do it with fresh blood, you know. And uh, while uh, Sean Gordon Murphy is hot now, you know, and uh, or Andy Nez, I think is his name. I don't know, anyway, there's a, a, there's a lot of uh, really good art now that are just like kicking serious ass. Their time will come too. Yeah, you know, and, and, and it used to be that, yeah, and it used to be that, you know, you would go to the industry looking to get into the big deal to be that, that's how you made it, you know, working for Marvel, working for DC. Now, and especially with the influx of, of, um, the independent market, you go to Marvel in DC to get your fan base, to get your attention, so that when you do your own stuff, you're not, you know, you know, starting off from, from ground zero trying to get, you know, attention. You know, you work, your work has a certain amount of significance that you're going to draw eyes, <laughs> you know, and, and that's why I let it go anyway. So, yeah, uh, that's actually exactly, if you remember, uh, what. Robert Kirkman was saying in probably 2007 when him and Ben had their big riff on um, the internet. Because uh, Kirkman was saying, like, just as you said, um, go to Marvel DC and get a name for yourself so when you go independent, you, you take that fan base with you as opposed to trying to work for these corporations for the rest of your life to the point where, where like, you're just, like you said, like, your rose will lose its, um, its shine and then, like, you just kick it to the curb. So you're saying exactly what Robert but, uh, said. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's nothing new. You know, <laughs> you know, you know this storyline is the same tired trope as well. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like when uh, they kill your wife. Typical. It's just it's always new. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not going to But you know, but if she fails with the new love, ha ha. <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's right. That's when that's you know, that's when you mark that day in the calendar. You get a nice fresh, you know, flower for your lapel. And you walk away with a big smile. <laughs> you know, that's uh, that's how it goes. And um, Dan did have a pretty good run there. Cause Dan was, I think, was in charge since like '07 or something like that. So like, he had a good run. Yeah, well, you know, he he did his due. You know, um, you know, I did the, the, I think Identity Crisis was the first really big splash. You know, um. 
Again, and that went on to all kinds of, you know, crisis, you know, oriented books, and, you know, conscious of crisis, and crisis this and crisis that. And that turned into eventually that became Reborn. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they, they didn't, you know, evolve into Reborn, but Reborn was the second big, you know, that's the Jeff Johns thing. You know, ironically enough, um, initially it was supposed to be Ethan Van Skyber was going to do Identity Crisis and I was going to be doing Reborn. Really? But at the time, I was faster than, um, yeah, at the time I was faster than Ethan. I had uh, just did a two year run on, on Hawkman, did 21 issues of Hawkman. So I was, I was a, I was more, um, you know, proficient time wise. Uh, um, and they needed to get Identity Crisis out. So they gave it to me and Ethan had time to go ahead and gel on, um, on Reborn. So, uh, Rebirth. So, um, that's what, uh, that's how that came about, you know. Uh, I might have been doing the Green Lantern. Wow. Yeah. And, and he had a great run with that, too. Yeah, I mean, that was big for him. And I didn't realize it was big for me. And, uh, you know, my regrets, you know, we both, uh, we both did well. Um, is that story widely known? Because that's the first time I've heard that. The Rebirth? No. Well, <laughs> oh, about it. Yeah. Oh. Uh, maybe. I don't know. It depends on who you talk to. I know I've mentioned it before. You know, in uh, uh, in other interviews as well, but uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know who the hell's paying attention. To you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, Ethan is like another guy who, who does great work, but I who whose work isn't out there way that it used to be. But unfortunately, I don't think it's because he really uh is far like I, I think his his views have hindered him more than, than anything else. Unfortunately, <laughs> Ethan is 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 all right in 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 this regard that he's not an idiot. You know, that's the last thing I would ever say about Ethan Vasquez. He's a dummy. He's not dumb. You know, he has his convictions, and um, you know, he has his his point of view. You know, just like everybody in this industry. Right. You know, and, and, uh, oftentimes, you know, the funny thing about Ethan is that sometimes you don't know if, you know if he's kidding or not. You know, he's one of these, he's one of these deadpan, you know, these, these dudes that are like have a dry sense of humor, you know, you don't realize that, you know, he's being funny. <laughs> You're laughing, but you don't know if you should be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that kind of a thing. Um, but, you know, I, you know, I, I, I can tell you I don't, um, I don't agree with Thomas Gate, you know, and, uh, and initially, the funny thing was, I was I was so fucking oblivious to it. I thought Thomas Thomas Gate was the good part. Yeah, I did too. No, <laughs> I, I did too. Yeah, I'm all for Thomas Gate. <laughs> yeah, I did too. You know, <laughs> and 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 then I then I realized, oh wait a minute, I'm rooting for the wrong team. Yeah. You know, because I'm progressive. You know, I'm, I'm very liberal. I'm very progressive. And you know, I think what it boils down to is a conservative mindset, much like the Egyptian Empire wants to stick around for three thousand years by doing the same thing over and over and over again. It's tradition. It's it's by rote, and that's the way it's got to be. Um, you know, and then, you know, liberals are, you know, are the Bedouins, you know, you know, become it like, no, 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 we want to change things up, you know, with it, with it, with it, with a new, you know, dick on the block. And, you know, we're going to do things this way, and, and you know, your, your time has come. So I think with, with Comics Gate, I don't have a problem with uh, characters changing mantles, provided, provided, that mantle is colorless. And what I mean by colorless is like I don't, I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm ready for 
somebody who is from the barrio who could be Asian doing El Tigre Blanco. <laughs> the white tiger. Right, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because that's 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 that was made specifically it was actually made basically to cater to an audience that felt disenfranchised. Much like Power Man was made, you know, specifically for for uh, a group that was felt disenfranchised, right? So to have had that change is missing the whole point of the point of the character in the first place. Okay, so that's a little less troubling or I just think it's a little more troubling to people that are, that are fans of that. Now, comics get with Superman said, oh, yeah, that's the way I feel. I said, well, let me tell you something, man. Nothing about Superman says specifically that he has Exactly. Like- that's the exact same point I was going to make. Right? If a character, if their race is part of the heritage, like, say, um, if a hero was Irish, you can't change that character to be a black dude, right. man. But if he's just like a... You can't have a black. You can't have a black banshee. Yeah, ex- thank you, know? you. You can't have a black banshee. <laughs> but um, th- th- you know, exactly, and, and, and that makes more sense to me. You know, so, oh well, yeah, that's that's why in certain time, that's why in comic books it's okay to have a mantle. You know, I mean, people freaked out a little bit that Dick Dick Grayson became Batman. Well, that made sense. One and two, who cares? He's white. <laughs> you know, if it was a black guy becoming in, then it's just like, wait a minute, you know? And, you know, at, at the very least, and now I don't, I'm not 100% familiar with this, you know, I don't follow every storyline, but I'm pretty sure, as I understand it, that Miles, Miles Morales is on an alternate universe. Am I wrong? Um, yeah, so he was from the alternate universe, but now after they did, um, the newer Secret Wars, he's part of like, the main line. Marvel Universe, but he still knows that he came from the Alpha Universe. Okay. So, this is comics. Hashtag comics. Right. Okay. 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 Now, comics you will look at that and say, you're force feeding him into my reality. Exactly. Okay. Realistically, what's really happening, and shame on, on any creator who doesn't see it this way. Realistically, what's happening is that you have a character, and what's the first fucking thing you ask about the character? How does he pair up against that guy? That's why Hulk and Thing always have to fight each other. That's why Batman and Superman always have to fight each other. How do they pair up against that guy? So you can introduce a new character, and he is from an alternate reality, and he's an alternate storyline, and it's similar to the same one. But how does he fit against Green Goblin? How does he go up against the Rhino, you know, the Vulture? That becomes part of the dialogue. So you put him in there to find out. Right. Right? And then the writer has to write something interesting, and then the fans get their fan, their nerdgasms, and, you know, and then whatever, and then, and then everybody's happy. But no. Color somehow changes that. Exactly. You know? And then, you said that, that Ethan isn't a dumbass, and I'm not saying that he is. I, I don't know. I haven't met him. But what I don't get about Ethan Van Skyver specifically is the fact that I've heard you say good things about him. I've heard Daryl Banks say great things about him and, and vice versa. But when he, Ethan Van Skyver says this shit, he sounds like a fucking racist. That's why I, I, I can't fuck him as a black dude. But obviously he's not. Right. But no, I feel you. He has to be cognizant of how he yeah. sounds. No, I feel you. I mean, I, yeah, I, I feel you. It's just, but again, that's the conservative mindset, right? Isn't that the, the Egyptian empire that doesn't want anything to change? True. Yep. Right? Because mm-hmm. it's been working for so long. But change is inevitable, dude. You know, yeah. the world doesn't stop fucking orbiting because that's what you want it to do. 
you know, things happen. It's inevitable. It's inevitable that Obama became president, just like it was inevitable that the reaction to Obama would have been a Trump. <laughs> exactly. So things are going to happen. You have to either evolve or die. And if those dudes don't want to evolve, fine. They can go die off. Mm -hmm. You know? They can do their comic books the way they see fit. Fine. Your comic book. You want to do Cyberfrog? Terrific. Good luck to you, man. I hope it's exactly everything you want to. I'm rooting for you, you know? I respect you creatively, you know? We just simply disagree when it comes to two points of view. And that's all there is to it. And I would hope that if I were doing my thing, you would afford me that kind of freedom as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's mutual respect. It's not a big fucking deal, you know? But don't sit there and say things have to be this way and then make a big stink about it and then fucking even get as far as riling up the fucking masses, get rabble-roused like a dumb motherfucker and then things become violent. That's stupid. Egg, and it's unnecessary. Exactly. And then, I mean, now, like, that's that ties in part to our actual country right now in terms of how divided we still are. But the thing is, I think that both sides, like anything, both sides are a little bit too extreme. Well, the, the people are very vocal about it, but um, yeah. I just don't, I just don't get other scabbers. And also, in a few weeks, I'm going to do in, I'll have a conversation with Dan Frager, who just joined Comicsgate, and he's the most liberal. He seems to be the most liberal guy I've ever spoken to on the show before. So I, I really want to understand. For a person who I like and respect, it seems like he's a he's a rapper for God's sakes. I want to hear why he joined, knowing what he right. what people are saying about them and how they're perceived. Well, again, maybe the perception is is more flexible than we think. Maybe there's more fluidity there, you know. And then maybe maybe he's going to add something to it. Maybe he gets there and he realizes it's not what he wants. You know? Could be. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, you know, it's it's again, you know, evolution is is in a vacuum. You know, evolution is a process, so we gotta wait and see what happens with it. Exactly. Um, but enough about other people. Like we're here to talk about you. Um, I don't want to talk about this. So. <laughs> Fair enough. But I do have one question about you, though, because when we met at that comic book convention in Mount Pleasant, Michigan, you told me that um you were making just as not, not to get into your pockets, but um, that, that you were doing just fine on just doing like you're doing um commissions now. So how does the how do, how does that game work for you? The whole uh, commission game. Um. Uh, well, I don't know specifically what you're asking about. Um. I will. Uh. Well, here's the thing. When I say just fine, okay. Mm -hmm. Understand, back when I was doing complex, I was paying child support, so I needed complex to pay child support. But my youngest child is graduating high school this year, and my other kids are in their 20s, so I don't need child support, so my needs have been lessened. <laughs> so for me to say I'm doing just fine with commissions means that I don't have as big a bills as I used to have. <laughs> uh, that doesn't mean I don't have bills. It doesn't mean that uh, I don't have things that I need to get done. Um, but what I'm saying is that there's less pressure now to have to do monthly continuity. Back when then, I just I, I would have to do, you know, I'd have to do the little come, you know, go to the working camps and, you know, and and, and you know hit the uh, hit the uh, you know the, the the machine shop. So you know, I had to do that shit. You know, now you know I can I can I can do okay. And you know, of course, you know, with something like COVID, that's that's always a you know that's always a, a, a 
Um, a, uh, excuse me, I just knocked something over and I'm yeah. trying to pick it up and think at the same time. It's always <laughs> difficult. That's always a variable, you know, because when you get a, a situation like now where people's jobs are, um, are, uh, 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 making them make hard choices, you know, sometimes you can't, you know, you can have things drop off. I've, I've had, uh, in fact, I, I, in this past month, in March, excuse me, um, I went to Dubai, and that was the only oh. show I did. Mm -hmm. I came back, I was supposed to do Toronto and Dallas, well, Toronto, uh, Dallas postponed until June. Um, Missouri postponed until June, mm. no, until July, which happens to be the same weekend I was supposed to be in Tampa. <laughs> so now there's a choice that needs to be needs, needs to be made there because I had a priority. I prioritized. I, I you know, Tampa was an add-on, so I was already set to do Missouri. So, but now I've been announced from both. So, yeah. oh. You know, things like that happens. So, uh, you know, I, I have, you know, my agent, um, you know, is Renee Witterstatter and she's, you know, she's very, uh, aggressive in, in getting us out there. In fact, we were talking, this is, you know, I had a lull in the winter time. I really could have used a couple of shows. Um, you know, cause now it's all about, you know, just trying to market myself, you know. You know, and I become, <laughs> I've become, you know, and, and, and look, I had 21 issues of, uh, uh, man, and when I did the, uh, the run of, of Identity Crisis, you know, but I was, uh, 20 issues of Power Man, and, you know, I had a 15 issue run of Turok, and so, you know, I've, 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 I've done runs, you know, yeah. but I've become much more responsible now because I've got, you know, I, I don't have a fallback position, and I don't have a large company that, you know, because I'm on the exclusive contract, he's going to find me work. So, um, so yeah, as far as doing, you know, the commission work, it's 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 wonderful, and, and you know, thankfully I have, I have some return customers, and that's wonderful, and and uh, and I'm always putting things out to try to draw new people, and I and I do get emails, you know, um, some people back away because you know my prices my prices are set at a. Um, at a, uh, a modestly high. <laughs> That's just I, I think I think I'm making less money than I think. You know, and I'm, I'm going to not put my hand in somebody else's pocket. But I think I'm making less money than say, uh, you know, David Finch. You know, but you know, I'm making more money than you know what I would have made you know 15 years ago in the convention circuit. So, um, you know, and. and I try to be as completely as, as responsible and professional as possible, and I try to give people more than what they anticipate. And, you know, I work very, very hard at that. So, um, so yes, when I'm doing commission work, yes, I'm, I'm working hard. Yes, you know, I, I, I like to get paid. You know, <laughs> um, and uh, but then again, I was never, I was never the kind of guy that had to have a lot of money. You know, the pursuit of money was never my disease. Right. Um, make enough to get by is fine by me. And if I have to, you know, fucking become a, a, a greeter at Walmart, <laughs> in my, you know, in, in my old age, then I do that, you know, mm -hmm. you know, as long as I can still do a commission or two. <laughs> <laughs> um, so speaking of commissions, what are some of your favorite characters to draw? 
Oh, no, no, hold on. <laughs> it's all work. It's, it's it always work has been, right? you know. It's always, it's, you know, it's, again, you know, it's it's like when you're smoldering, you don't think about what you're creating until it's done. You just hope you did a good job by the time it's finished. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, 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 this is, yeah, I get this question a lot, and I'm, and I'm brutally honest. Is listen, being a fanboy died, you know. <laughs> Years ago, you know, my, my, my days of being a fanboy died the day that I became a professional. Mm-hmm. I told, I tell everybody the worst thing you can do to your hobby is turn it to a career because it's no longer yours anymore. Now you have different things that are pulling at you, you know, now you have different expectations that are pulling on you. Um, you have different things that you have to live up to, art- to artistically for your own personal gratification as well as, well as that of the audience. You know, you have people that have been following a character for forever. Um, you don't always get the character you always ever wanted to try to do. To do, you know, you, you you try to reach back to that little kid. You know, I don't care what I do. I don't give a shit how much I get paid. But goddamn it, I got to have Spider Man. You know, you don't always get that opportunity. You know, mm-hmm. um, and so so you, you, a lot of it is just you know they think you'll be good at this. You know, right. um, that's one of the reasons why I got first wave. Ooh, you know, you. because I have. Um, I have a classic style, mm-hmm. and that was done intentionally. I could have gone the way of 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 a, 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 a Sean Gordon Murphy and try to push a, a, a stylized look, but I was looking at comic books and looking at the biorhythms of it and realizing that things always come back to center eventually, yes. no matter what the style is. Eventually, things you know you can go you can go and R T Bear used to say you know the you know, the, the the West Coast style, you know, back when, you know, Image was just coming out, that was the big thing, but then all of a sudden, boom, comes Alex Ross resetting everything, and then people start from that point of view and build it up again, and then when that, you know, when that Ferris wheel hits to the top, it's eventually going to come back down to the bottom again, and then boom, you know, realism becomes a part of it, so um, I'm never really impressed by any style, mm-hmm. um, whether it be, you know, as far as its appeal, broad appeal. Okay, don't get me wrong. I love different styles. I love Sean Gordon Murphy's stuff. You know, uh, Eric Kennedy Eric is one of my favorite mm-hmm. artists mm-hmm. out there. You know, um, you know, there's always room for me, you know, um, for, uh, um, oh, shoot, what, what the hell is that? One of my former students was in love with her and he told me he was going to marry her <laughs> and then I warned her. <laughs> <You warned. laughs> Cogblock. <laughs> Uh, um, uh, uh, um, Jenny Frizzy? Uh, Passionelli, I think. No, uh, no, 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 Italian woman. Uh, uh, and she's flat out gorgeous. And, and as far as art goes, as beautiful an artist as she Oh, Sarah Pacelli? Visual woman, I don't know. I don't, Sarah Pacelli. Okay. Yeah, thank yeah. You. you know, there's always room for all these, you know, wonderful styles and different flavors. There's always room for that. Um, but, you know, what happens is what happens is the same thing when it comes to all forms of art. Music is a good example. And I, and I, and I like to take, um, I like to use, uh, uh, um, uh, um, Nirvana as an example. Okay. You know, you, you have a run of things going a specific way. Everything's a hairband. Everything's skid row. Everything becomes, um, you know, everything is Def Leppard and, and you know, Motley Crue and other, all, all, all that other just like, you know, aesthetic band. 
that, that rely more on the look because the record company pushes the look, mm-hmm. you know, because this is what's, you know, getting, you know, Dick's heart and pussy's <laughs> wet. So this is what's happening. And, and so, so that's, you know, that's what's happening, you know, that. And then out of the blue comes this lightning bolt, Kurt Cobain. And then before you know it, and then it's, then it's a short, short jump to Nickelback in a puddle of mud. You know what I'm saying? It's, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing happens. And the same thing, ha- you know, it's, it's, it happens all the time, right? You know, here comes, you know, it comes to them and then the next thing you know, you got fucking vanilla ice. So no, you know, it's just, shit happens all the time. You get watered down versions of something that's good because that's the way money works. Because yes. money is pushing a style, is pushing a look. That's why everybody had to draw like Neil Adams, Adams mm-hmm. for a while. That's why everybody had to draw like Jack Kirby for a while. Um, nowadays, that's no longer, you know, necessary. Now you have to be, you know, you have to be in a genre of, I was, I was, when I was in Dubai, I was talking to a Ukrainian, a young artist, um, her name is Victoria. Adorable little thing. And her art was just fucking balls out beautiful. You know, but it was very anime oriented. Mm-hmm. And she had the view of getting into the comic industry in the vein of like a Jim Lee style, or not a Jim Lee, a Jay Lee style, you know? Mm. And that would work. I says, you know, that, you know, there's only one Jay Lee, but if you could do something sort of similar in that vein, we would be, we like really pushing the, you know, the, the high contrast, contrast, you know, kind of, you know, um, anime look, you know, like, like high contrast, like maybe like a lot of, what it was Cortese or right. Jay Lee would, a lot of heavy blacks and the spotlighting the lights and stuff like that. Yeah, there's always a market for that, absolutely. And, and so that's her thing. And so I'm, I'm hoping that happens. You know, but again, you know, the bolt of lightning comes back, and it's usually always something basic. Yeah. You know, and and, re, and resetting, and then it starts all over again. So uh, that's the reason why, and long story short, the reason why I chose. And because, you know, I was an illustrator at heart, you know. Um, I could have, I could, you know, I, I chose to go more Nolan Rockwell, though I could have gone and, and done more, you know, JC Linebacker, mm-hmm. you know, if you know the difference between the two, was more stylized versus the other, but they're both very realistic, you know, it's that kind of yeah. thing. So, um, I would have been in the same realm of, of illustration. Uh, I just probably would have been a bit more freer. And that's probably one of the reasons why I started inking because, I was not having fun anymore, you know, because I was I was torturing myself hmm. trying to to get a Frazetta line, and I was never good that good. You know, nobody is. But um, you have a lot of people that come close, but then they're always doomed by comparison. Exactly. Right? So, so, um, so I just uh, you know, I, it wasn't until I saw Sean Gordon Murphy, I said, "You look like he's having fun," and fuck it, you know what? Me and DC broke up. It's time for me to get a new haircut. <laughs> and that's what I did. I just went out and I, st- and I started inking my own stuff and started, you know, becoming more free. And I started having fun again, you know, and now I'm having a blast. So, but now I'm, I'm really kind of sick and tired of the pencil thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because, um, so at what point, if you had to pinpoint it, do you think that you stopped having fun? Well, when I stop thinking that I can learn something new, mm. you know, um, the whole point of art is evolution. The whole point of becoming a musician is to eventually go to do jazz, do jazz. you know, that whole, you know, you know, the movie Spinal Tap, right? They break up and then they try to do jazz fusion, you know, because in the back of their head, 
they're always trying to evolve to something else. Because that's what art is. You know, art is about about evolution. So, you know, now, if I had my druthers, you know, I could do my own self-publishing. I can't do it now because, like I said, my kid is graduating this year. Um, he's got accepted into New York College. And so I'm pretty excited about that. Just try to get him in and then, yeah, thank you. And then once that happens, then I can go ahead and move out of where I am. Uh, right now I have a, a three-bedroom duplex I'm living in. Uh, um, I don't need that much room, you know. So I, uh, uh, once I'm down to my own thing, I could strip it straight back down and, and just basically go back to Rocky One. You know, <laughs> I've been Rocky, I've been Rocky Five. I'm fucking around with Drago, and I just want to go back to Rocky One. You know, <laughs> and, and 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 start all over again, and, and then start my new venture in life because I do have ideas about writing, and I do have ideas about painting, and I have new ideas about self-publishing. And, and, and just, you know, cutting my teeth on something new. And it's not going to be exceptionally brilliant. Or maybe it is. I don't know. I don't know how good I'm going to be. You know, I don't know how good I am. But part of the evolution is, is you know, traveling into the unknown. And, hmm. um, you know, it's never really scary. Because you always have something that, you know, that you're good at. So, you know, if I have to go back to, you know, you know, pencil rendering, you know, it may be a little painful because that meant I failed, but then you don't really fail. You just learn exactly. how to do it differently. So, to that point, what would a Rax Morales creator own work look like? And then we say self publishing, like, you mean like going to Kickstarter route or like just going like the Mirage? Oh, I don't, you know, I, you know, I would, you know, I, I've always thought that I can starve enough to do it organically. Okay. Um, I don't know shit about Kickstarters. Um, I, I, um, I, Jim Starlin has a birthday, right? So I text him, Jim, happy birthday. Then he asks me if I'm exclusive. I'm like, no, I don't really have nothing going on now. Why do you have in mind? He wants to do a trilogy with me. Mm. He wants to work with me, um, with Ron Mars's company, um, um, uh, Ominous. Um, but that's been held up now because of COVID. Mm. Because the financier who starts the whole thing, who uses Kickstarters to get his money back, and then it kind of grows from there, he had the flu. So oh, we're wow. trying to figure out, and I don't think he's got COVID. There's no, uh, I haven't heard it was COVID. He just had a touch of the flu. It could have been that. He was in California when it happened. But anyway, um, the whole idea of Kickstarter to me is so far, and I'm just now just getting to understand it a little bit. Um, and so, if I were to do my own self-publishing, I would probably go along the lines of at least this is what I wanted to do. And it's only because I wanted to get enough material. The idea of getting something self-published is really trying to figure out a way to eat while you're trying to get the material together. Right. And so so I always thought organically that what I would do is that I would continue to do the, the convention circuit. And, and certainly I have enough commission work out there that I can go ahead and start compiling sketchbooks. In fact, I just I just figured out that I have if I did 20 pages per sketchbook, I have about eight and a half sketchbooks worth of material. And that's the stuff that's out there. That's not stuff that, you know, maybe laying around, the, you know, the house kind of a thing. Um, so, um, and of course by the time I get to that, how many more you know, how much more work would I have? <laughs> so, if I were to do that, and I said, okay, well, listen, if 
I said, if I go, if I were to go ahead and start this thing, what I always thought I'd do was kind of like a comic strip in the back where I would do the sketchbook and then in the back have like a continuous com- comic strip over the course of eight, 10, 20 issues worth of sketches and sketchbooks. Um, that by the time I got to the end, I don't have enough. Then I would go ahead and maybe put it out on the internet as a, as a web comic on, on the PDF or something like that. You know, yeah. you have to worry about pirating, but you know, so, but you know, if I can get enough people to sustain that enough to go ahead and feed the next project and then the next project, cause I have, I have right now, I have three projects. Mark, I'm nice. <clears throat> um, one of which is going to make positively no money, but it's a passion project. Um, the next one is a, is a, a, a character with a spinoff, but I don't want it to be continuity. Mm-hmm. What I want it to be is graphic novel. I want it to be finite, uh, with the possibility of expanding on it, but hopefully by then I will have enough revenue and knowledge and backing influence and perhaps you know, maybe then I would do a Kickstarter, that kind of thing, where I would just go ahead and say, you know, maybe hire a young artist and give them an opportunity, and maybe I'll write the story, and they'll do the artwork, um, or that kind of a thing, you know, or, or, you know, maybe just work with a contemporary, you know. Um, that would be lovely to me, you know. Um, but that's, you know, right now it's just pie in the sky, and it's like out there in another, in another world land, <laughs> you know. But yeah, you know, right now I have um, I have that gym project. It's uh, it is a trilogy. Uh, hopefully um, it does get off. I don't know. Right now it's a stasis. Uh, Jim's interested in working with me. I'm interested in working with Jim. Ron Mars likes the idea. Jim is a viable marketing is <coughs> um, uh, is a viable um, product for uh, the ominous company. Mm-hmm. So certainly what he does, it's going to be going to lean on. And I have another um, writer who approached me in Boston, um, an Emmy award-winning um, writer of, of soap operas. Oh, okay. Who has a brilliant storyline that I, I would love to do. But he's an unknown, you know. Um, but I, I, but his story is, is great. I, I have it in my head. I just know it would be kick-ass. Um, and it's tar genre. But uh, I think um, I think it'd be really very cool, very very excellent story. And that's God, he's got like some fourteen issues worth of this. So I don't know how long I could stay on that. But uh, yeah, if it was something that we can do, then maybe I'll just do that for the rest of my life. And maybe that'll do well self publishing, you know. But um, hopefully, you know, these things do get off the ground, you know, because because um, you, you go to a convention and people always say, well, what's to your next project, and they want to hear that you're doing something that they're interested in. They want to hear that you're doing Batman or Spider-Man. Um, <laughs> and then I just kind of like shrug and say, "I'm kind of in semi-retirement mm-hmm. right now, you know." Uh, you know, the big companies have gotten younger and cheaper and more energetic, and you know. And um, now I'm just trying to find my niche outside of that and do some independent work. So, yeah, that's where I am. Uh, I think that you should uh, finish your Rocky metaphor and uh, hire a young artist. To be your um, Adonis Creed. My, I'm not, dude. I have yet to have. I don't. You understand? So, <laughs> how many fucking Rockies where he was fucking Rocky? All right. <laughs> I haven't even done the first 
in the first fucking uh, on right away you got me hooking up with Apollo Creed you know what the hell with you <laughs> I mean I think it's a good idea um but like the- yeah yeah whatever look <laughs> okay, I get the sagely advice you know <laughs> I could do, do it. I could, you know, I, could, I got the speech. You know, let me tell you something about life. Think about how hard you get hit. About how many times you get knocked down, you continue moving forward. Yeah, you know, that winning is done. Yeah, I I, I'm speech. tearing up right now, bro. I'm tearing the fuck up. But now, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that bad. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no. I, I uh, you know, I, I, I've got, uh, I've got to get my shit situated but right now i was in someone else's house playing with their toys now i got to prove that uh you know i have uh i have some some really cool ideas and uh you know i try to try not to be redundant but you know then again everything you do fall upon is based on familiarity so uh hopefully i can craft it enough that i can hide the fact that it's probably been done many mm-hmm. times. But, you know uh it's it's um but it'll be unique because it'll be my 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 first you know voice. Um, but I will say this: you did ask specifically what would it, what would it be like? It would be absolutely very political. Okay. Because anybody who knows me on Twitter, anybody who ever follows me on Twitter knows how much I'm not a, not afraid to scream at the fucking you know at a drumph and tell them, you know, hey, you son of a bitch, you're fucking up. You know, I'm, I'm not afraid to have an opinion about. Um, Social, um, you know, just just society in general, and the way you know we we evolve socially. Um, I'm not afraid to have an opinion to say, you know, okay, you know, conservative mindset is such as I understand it, and, and it's been proven, you know, to a degree that uh, I'm not wrong. In that. Um, but then maybe if I start writing, I start exploring that, then I start seeing, you know, maybe some some value in what they have to say maybe that becomes part of the story and then you know because it's always based on you know just just this conflict between opposites so you know it's uh um it'd be very interesting you know and maybe i'll just swallow around in circles for a while until i go down to the drain but you know in the end it's 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 it's, it's worth the attempt i mean sure. fuck there's some people out there that have no business writing and they're that are that are you know good artists or you know passable artists that are you know, just writing a bunch of, you know, redundant bullshit. So maybe I can do redundant bullshit. <laughs> um, I think you can definitely do some redundant bullshit. <laughs> but, uh, but I, whatever this project is, it sounds like it's going to be exciting. And, and I, and I especially like the fact that it probably will be a, a Cape and Tykes book. Cause I'm at the point in my life, in my 33 years, where I'm kind of very disenchanted with Marvel, Marvel and, and DC anyway. Like most of the books I buy now don't have a, a yeah. cape and tight and fucking sight. Yeah, and, and that's yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and then you know, and, and there's always like again, and that's that's why it's very, it's very. It's like I was saying before, it's an invigorating time, you know, because there are people taking chances, and there are people that are that are uh, funded by their own kickstarters, or, you know. And there's a lot of energy out there, and just like I mean, I did, I did. Um, I mean, this isn't exactly Kickstarter stuff, but I did the the uh, the the, Am- the Amory Wars with uh, with uh, Claudia Sanchez of Coheed and Cambria. Mm-hmm. You know, they're um, they're a progressive metal band, um, and and they're big. They've they've got what ten ten albums, you know, 
Um, so certainly they've been around. Um, and, um, you know, so, but their, their music is akin to a, uh, an epic story. And Claudio Sanchez, who's the lead singer and, and guitarist of Korean and Cambria, um, is a big comic book fan. In fact, he has his own independent comic book company, oh, I didn't... uh, Evil Inc. Uh, yeah, Evil Inc. Comics. Um, and, uh, when I was working with him and I did 12 issues of, of Good Apollo and Burning Star 4, which is their fourth album. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that was put out by Boom. So it looks like Boom was the company, but they're more like the traffic cop, the actual company was Evil Inc., which is Claudia's career. And I worked specifically with Claudia, who did the plotting, and uh, I worked with um, his, his wife, who was uh, uh, Shania, uh, Ash- Chandra. Shania. They call it Shoni. So in my head, I'm looking at Shoni and I'm saying Shania. But anyway, Chandra <laughs> Eckert is, uh, is his wife and she, and she did the writing and he did the, did the plotting and they were like a writing team. So oh, cool. she actually did the scripting and, and, uh, there was, there was, there was some influence too with Blaze James, who's their, their manager as well. Uh, but I did 12 issues of that. Uh, and um, I loved it too because it was it was so different from what I was used to doing. It was a whole new universe, and different rules and everything. Uh, the one thing I did learn though was like and again and again bringing it back to the gym shooter, um, um, you, know, you know, conundrum I guess is that when you have have one product, it's one baby to these people. So they're a little bit more heavy handed with the way they wanted to look at it, and I, there was a lot of dialogue back and forth between um, Claudio and I. Well, actually more Blaze than I, because Blaze was my most my main contact. contact. I did talk to Claudio a couple of times. He's a real sweetheart of a guy, but he's, you know, he, you know, he's too busy for details. And um, so I, I, a lot of suggestions I made, you know, 98% of the time they, you know, they agree with me every once in a while. You know, um, they had to, you know, I had to, to, you know, do it as I was told, because, you know, that's their baby, and they have a business. And I wasn't trying to make wholesale changes. I mean, there was one time where I did fuck up the script and it was my fault. Um, and I read it incorrectly and as I drew it, you know, it was approved in the pencil stage and then by the time it got to the end, they realized, you know, that things had gone awry. Um, and then I started, uh, uh, you know, trying to, to, to you know, I'd like, it's like, I had a bridge going across the chasm and I started the bridge but I started realizing that, you know, the other end of the bridge is just like further down. <laughs> so I had to try to meander my way back to that point, you know, uh, by building this bridge. And that's what I tried to do. And they didn't like the meander. So I had to go back and change everything, which is fine. It's fine. You know, and I wish they would have said something in the pencil stage, but it was overlooked and, you know, these, these things happened. So, but anyway, um, it was, uh, uh, it was, uh, it was, it was a heady, interesting experience. I thought it was a terrific story. I, I really, Wish them all the luck in the world. I hope to to see it in different formats because um, you know uh, I think uh, Claudio has this very unique vision and it's it's a great story. And uh, um, like I said, the music is just like the comic book. The comic book is just like the music, and their fucking fan base is rabid. Yeah. They're, they're super loyal. I was uh, in fact uh, they asked me to come out to Madison Square Garden to watch them do a show. And I'm watching this show, and the audience participating—it was like, the participation is just like on mass. 
like leaning forward. I mean, this dude could have been Jim Jones. <laughs> cool, they do would have died for him. It's just you know, it was it was it was an amazing experience and a brilliant set. And honestly, it was probably probably the most tight concert I've ever seen in my 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 entire life. It was just so visual, so energetic. It was such a you know, I guess the word is Morpheus. You know, it was just like it was just all one big thing. It was it was its own entity. Um, crazy, really cool. If you ever get a chance to see a Coheed and Cambria concert, you know, I mean, I don't know if it's, you know progressive metal's your style. I like a little bit, of but um, you know, I, yeah, yeah, I, I highly recommend it. Yeah, Coheed and Cambria. Yeah, really good. Cool. Yeah, um, because one of the co-hosts of one of the shows on his network is a huge fan of them. Uh, like this, uh, my co-host who, who has a pseudonym, which oh, is Awesome Sauce. That's all that we call it. <laughs> well, uh, I'm sure that if, if she's a, if, she, if she's a fan of comic books, she's probably getting on Cross Amory Wars. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, I did 12, like I said, I did 12 issues of it, and I did Pennsylvania and, Inc. and Washington too, so Washington was used, uh, you know, the mm-hmm. great tones. But, uh, so, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. To close up here, because I don't want to take up too much of your time. If you had, and, and this is going to be a mm-hmm. cliche ass question, so I, so uh, forgive me in advance. But if you had one piece of your work that you would recommend everyone out there go out and pick up, what would it be? Uh, the next one that I like. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, if you're talking artwork, uh, probably because because it is new. new. I think I, I think um, Amory Wars okay. artistically, you know, um, you know, I think I was on again. That's the first time. I mean, I've done my own inking before, mostly in covers and occasional you know issues here and there. I think um, that is really really well done. I think people would like that. I think uh I think the, the I did this little tiny run on, on Sinestro. Oh I was kinda of proud yeah, that was of. Good, man. That was good. Yeah, I dug that. And um I also oh did you hear that? Do what? That was my something was fucking something an alarm oh, in my phone. Okay, good. It was in my ear, not in yep. yours. It was fucking pain in the ass. <laughs> so I have an upcoming event I have to check out. Anyway, um, so um, I think I think uh, I think uh, artistically, visually speaking, I think Amory Wars. I think uh, that little run of Sinestro uh, Relic. Mm. I think uh, that was fun because. Every page was a splash page, um, uh, much like you know the death of Superman. Right. So um, that was fun. I worked, you know, I worked with Cam Smith on that. He did some brilliant inks on that as well. Um, and I guess story-wise, I didn't really cry just because it was so impactful. That really, you know, it really went out and um, um, it changed the comic book game. You know, started a lot. It, yeah, a bit. Yeah, paradigm but, shift. You know, um, well, it it, 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 it it was the beginning of making you know death in comics, uh, you know, redundant. <laughs> yeah, but it's not like there hasn't been done before. You know, it's just I don't think it was just done as brilliantly. I think Brad Meltzer was just, and he's a friend to this day. He's a, he's a pal. I still get Christmas cards oh, wow. from him. Uh, he's you know, he's just a 
a brilliant, brilliant writer. Uh, and then and his wife said, when, when did you turn to, to Forrest Gump? Because his life was charmed. <laughs> you know, he, 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 his, he, his, the, the, um, I think it was the millionaires, uh, or the billionaires. <laughs> He's got a book that was, uh, George Bush Sr.'s favorite. Oh, yes. Book. And prior, prior to him dying, he read it to him. Oh wow! You know, so he he he, he literally leads he leads a uh, because he was he was a white uh, he was a lawyer you know prior to writing uh, the man he's the man's cut deep roots and um, and and um, I think his wife was a lawyer. I think so yeah and so um, so he's uh, he's 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 had an incredible yeah, life. And, yeah a lawyer comic book writer just brilliant uh, a writer. TV yeah. host, yeah, and, and and the sweetheart of a guy, so he's one of the one of the classiest, most down earth people who ever wanted to meet. You know, he was uh, he's an amazing man. I, I want to grow up to be just like him. He's two years younger than me. Um, but uh, so yeah, you know, so okay, so all right, so Amory Wars visually, I think Sinestro visually, I think uh, um, uh, uh, conceptually, I think Relic was really cool. Uh, identity crisis because of it, 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 it's it's um, it's uh, impact. Um, I think um, I think as far as um, as far as 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 another brilliantly written series, I think Owlman was really super well done. One of the best things that was ever done. It really should be in reprint. Uh, it really should have had a bigger cult following than it did. But then it has a very strong, you know, to this day, I people that are just like can't believe. You know that this it was, was never in reprint, but if you ever got a chance to read the uh, the twenty issues, I think there were twenty five issues. Was that Tom Pyer? Um, that was a uh, uh, brilliant Tom Pyer, yeah, yeah, and uh, that was really well done. That was a fun uh, stories, uh, completely you know out of the box yes. thinking, you know, completely out of left field. It was, it was so exceptionally well done, um, and. Um, yeah, and as far as, 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 as what I think comics could and should be, I think they run on action comics. They did with Grant Morrison, you know, it was equally good. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know and, and, you know, Jeff Rudy did Hawkman series as well. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, I'll pick and choose, whatever <laughs> floats your boat, you know. You can sit here and say everything I did was great. Right, greatest right. hits. Yeah, I would, I would probably, yeah, <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> my greatest hit. <laughs> Don't mock me, man. <laughs> no mocks, man. No mocks here. No mocks. Um, yeah, no mocks. No mocks. No mocks. No mocks. Um, so yeah, so that those are pretty much all of the questions that I had for you. And the crazy part is, you answered questions I had, and and I didn't even officially ask them. So 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 that, that's always a good sign. Hey man, I'm a, I'm a blabbermouth. I'm very That's good. That's it's very good, man. That, that's what we like here on the show. So uh, now I'll do the end of the interview intro like you requested. So this has been True Stories Based on Fiction. I'm Evan Third Host, and with me was the great luminary, the legend, uh, Rags Morales of the great works of DC Comics, <laughs> Valley Comics, the forthcoming ominous press with friend, friend of the show, Ron Mars. Uh, maybe, maybe. <laughs> Hold on. Maybe. Now, Ron, it's not set in stone. Ron yet. is very good with the uh Kickstarter because because we've had him on twice. Now he said he's a hundred percent 
and getting his shit funded. So definitely, even if, even if it's your own Kickstarter, he'll take the ends out of that shit. Mars, Mars, uh, Ron, Ron Mars, Mars is, is my my uh, my sports homie. We go we root for the same team, except he's a fucking Giants fan, not a Jets fan. And uh, I, I know, I know, I know. But we were also Mets and Knicks fans, you, so, you know. So so we we commiserate that way, and and we we're also politically aligned as well. So I like Ron; he's yeah. good people. He, he's very good people. Um, and also, if anyone wants to get a commission from you, where can they contact you? Okay. Um, you can follow me on, uh, oh, I know, right? This fucking Facebook. Uh, it's Facebook, Rags Morales art page. I do a lot of my communication with my audience there. Um, in fact, um, oftentimes it's when I announce I'm taking a list, it's where, that's where I go. Um, you can, uh, also find me on Instagram, uh, Rags and hashtags. Um, that's my Instagram. My Twitter is at Rags Morales. Uh, that's where I, you know, I, I have um, this is before I before I changed up my Instagram because I, sw- I I divided my Instagram between work and personal. Mm-hmm. And I used to say this: it says if you want to know how my mind works, you want to go to Twitter. If you want to know how my heart works, you want to go to Instagram because then I would show like you know my kid and you know the cooking that I do and all this other shit a little bit more of a home thing. And then then I would throw some artwork in there. It became a big swirl. So that's where my heart was. If you want to see me naked and see my body, there's something wrong with me. <laughs> but, you know, if the, but that's the way to catch me. Rags and hashtags on Instagram, Facebook, Rags Morales art page, Twitter at Rags, Mor- Rags Morales. Um, and if you want to order, uh, commissions or see my bylaws, uh, write me at, uh, ragsmo.orders at gmail. And I'll be happy to help you out. Um, right now, I'm running an ongoing list. Normally, I uh, um, I would make an announcement, get 30 slots, and try to get them filled, and that'd be good for about a year's worth wow. of commissions and, and, and conventions. But uh, you know, with this COVID thing and shows being canceled, I found myself with a little bit more time to do commission work. So I do have an ongoing list now. Again, at ragsno.orders at gmail, and uh, yeah. There you go. Hope to hope to hear from you. Perfect. Now, uh, one last funny question: Is there anything that you do not want people to ask you to draw? Oh, <laughs> well, I've kind of run out of ideas for hobby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I've done a billion of those. I haven't I haven't done enough hour mans. If anybody wants to wants to get my must uh, um, <clears throat> reminisce. Uh, Batman, you see, the ones that come a lot, mm-hmm. you get a lot of Superman, a lot of Hawkman, a lot of Zatanna, mm-hmm. uh, um, and I get a lot of Batman, and Batman only because he's, you know, not that I ever did anything great with Batman. Oh, I did First like, wave, um, right? The, the, uh, well, the first wave was, was kind of Batman, <laughs> but it was like Batman with guns and people just kind of got put off by that. Uh, but I thought it was I a great too. story. I think Brian Azzaro was a brilliant mm-hmm. writer as well. You know, I've been lucky. I, I worked with some of the greatest writers in the sure. industry. You know, Tim Truman, Brad Meltzer, Brian Azzarello, Greg Rucka, uh, Grant Morrison. <clears throat> you know, I've, I've, I've worked with, uh, you know, Jeff Johns. You know, I've worked with a lot of great, great writers. Um, so I've been really lucky. lucky. Um, but, uh, uh, but one of the books that, uh, you know, you know, one of the ones I'm very proud of only because it was, uh, as growing up as an art, as an art fan, I, um, 
big, huge maniacal goals and fan. So when Tony Bernard and I got together and did a sequel to uh, Wrath, um, Player on the Other Side, it was Wrathchild, which was a 1984 story written by Mike Barr and uh, drawn by Michael Golden. It was uh, it was a special. It was just a, a special. It was, it was a one-off story. We uh, we did a, we did a sequel to that, mm. and you can probably find it in trades where you actually see the original sto- story and the new and um, and uh, t- uh, Tony Bedard did with that. So for sure, that's uh, that's also one of my favorites. So I don't know, you know, just pick and choose. But mm-hmm. anyway, um, there's there's your Christmas list. Go go fucking make DC because <laughs> <laughs> they don't because of course they need more money right yeah well you know yeah yeah that's yeah uh, because now they're owned by ET and T because you know them <laughs> but hopefully if they buy any of the works that you've spoken about they break you off a little bit of something on the back end uh, well I don't even know <laughs> uh, I don't even I don't even know if I'm getting crumbs anymore from them too guys. But anyway, anyway, so that's my story. Right, sounds good. All right, so thank you so much for coming on, Rags. Uh, this is.